Hello, hello. Welcome to this episode. I am so excited to share this with you because it has been a long time in the making. I am here today with my friend Taylor Wolf. You maybe follow her on Instagram at The Daily Tay. Her impressions of influencers are beyond hilarious. If you've spent any time on social media and you know about influencer culture, you will think she is spot on. She she even does an impression of me <laughs> and has like a Sharon wig. It's, mm, I love it. Let's dive into this episode, which is about Rhode Island and about somebody incredibly interesting and with my incredibly interesting guest, Taylor Wolf. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Taylor, it's finally happening. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) You're finally here. We've been working on this for literal months, and you're here today. Yay. I debated coming dressed up as you, but then I didn't know if that would be (laughs) weird or not, but you kind of dressed as me. You kind of are wearing a sweater that I would wear. (laughs) I am. I need the earrings though. You know, I, I have to take my earrings off when I'm doing podcasts because they make sound in my headphones. Um, but you're missing the earrings that come on now and glasses. I'm not wearing glasses either. I absolutely love your Instagram account. I have been following you for over a year and just literally randomly found you one day and laughed and laughed and laughed at your content. And I love how you poke fun at influencer culture. It makes me laugh daily. <laughs> Well, thank you. You know, it's been my job to be, I I just, I don't like the term influencer, obviously, Yeah. but, um, I always try to poke fun at it very lightly because I am fully doing it. Like this is also my job, but I've, I've never had a job that I can't make fun of, to be completely honest. This one is just a really (laughs) easy one to do. A hundred percent. Like what kind of sense of humor do you have? You can't make fun of yourself or you can't make fun of your own profession. Right. Like lawyers should think lawyer humor is funny. Influencers should should like influencer humor. Like we should. Most of them do. Yeah, they do. Yes. It's very funny. Your take on it is hilarious. And I love your different characters. You're naturally very good at sketch comedy. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that because I did improv for quite a few years and I wasn't very good at that. No, I was terrible. Like all my friends went on and got booked and I was like, wow, I'm I'm not good at this. So then I came to Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) But see, that's the beauty. You can have your own version of sketch comedy where you're like, that wasn't the funniest take. Let me do it a different way. That's more funny. While I'm sitting in my room. I love it. That's right. And I have a story I want to share with you today that is completely unrelated to influencer culture or influencer humor. It is just one of those stories where I'm like, dang, that is good stuff. That's how I feel about this story. So I can't wait. I'm excited. Have you ever been to Rhode Island? I have not. I know you and your husband and your darling baby birdie, like you guys sleep in a van sometimes for fun. We have done that a few times. That is all Chris and I am a supportive spouse. So I go along because I, I get wine at five or six and (laughs) no, it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but we do sleep in vans sometimes. That's correct. (laughs) You sleep in a van with a baby and I'm like, dang girl, hats off to you, man. Hats off to you, woman. I went camping with a child precisely one time. Precisely one time. And that never happened again. (laughs) (laughs) It's not for everyone. No, I, I really 
Like I liked my children to be like, it's your bedtime now and good night. Mm-hmm. And then being able to walk away. And that is not, that doesn't happen with a baby and camping. No. No, we walk to like the front of the van and then put our earbuds in and watch a movie. Quiet, but <laughs> well, good yeah. for you. I have, I do have a story about somebody from Rhode Island who lived in similarly challenging conditions, wasn't Ooh. a van, but it was a lighthouse. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. First of all, do you know that Rhode Island isn't really an island? I do, yes. Okay, a lot of Americans don't. They think it's an island. And then the last time I mentioned this, people were like, why is it called an island then if it's not really an island? Fair question. Yeah, it's not an island. And it comes from the Dutch explorer who initially landed on what is now Rhode Island. And he called it in Dutch, he called it Root Island, which meant red island in reference to the shoreline which is like red clay and apparently at the time he did name was adrian block apparently at the time he didn't realize that he wasn't landing on an island Mm -hmm. but that place name had already been established and so we call it rhode island like rhode island is an anglicization is that a word anglicanization i I was hoping you'd explain what that word means. I don't know. <laughs> Anglic- anglicized. The name was anglicized, meaning we translated it to English. Mm, and we're okay. going to go with anglicized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Yep. We're going with that. It's not an island, but Rhode Island does have an incredibly craggy shoreline. The shoreline of Rhode Island is over 400 miles long. Even, even though the state itself is only 48 miles long, it's kind of like when you have, um, 
when something is corrugated, think about like corrugated cardboard where there's a lot of like ins and outs and ridges and it goes, the shoreline goes like this. So if you measure the entire distance of the shoreline, it equals 400 miles. But if you were just to drive in a straight line across, it would only be 48 miles. Oh, okay. It's the smallest state, obviously. And one of the things I've always wondered about, and we're not going to get into this today is like, but why did we draw the state borders so tiny? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when other states are so vast, why did we make, why is that one his own tiny, like 37 by 48 state? Why isn't it part of another state? Yeah. Rhode Island though, it has a very, very long history with pirates, with battles, with whaling. It has over 17 ports and harbors and 21 lighthouses, just in like the tiniest state. So starting in the mid 1800s, Rhode Island put a lighthouse on a small island offshore. And the island offshore, like in the Atlantic Ocean, was about 300 yards offshore. So in order to get out there, it was called the Lime Rock Light Station. In order to get out there, you had to literally just row a boat, Mm -hmm. row a boat to the lighthouse. And they initially were like, but what if the weather is really bad and the lighthouse keeper can't get back to shore? What will we do? So they decided to put a small like shanty on the island next to the lighthouse, just in case the lighthouse keeper couldn't make it back because the weather was too terrible, right? So that was the initial setup. It's like a lighthouse on an island and then a little shanty, like a one room, like sleep here if you must kind of scenario. On another island or on that same island? On the same island right next to it. Yep. So that was the initial setup. Then in 1853, Congress appropriated $1,000 and said, build a better setup here, build something better than just like this little shanty and this little, whatever you guys got going on here, like make it better. (laughs) I mean, if they thought it was bad back then, it really makes me wonder what, how bad was it? (laughs) That's right. If it was bad by 1853 standards, you know, it was bad, right? Like if Congress gets involved and they're like, make it better, (laughs) try harder, try harder. It's $1,000. Do what you can. So they decide to make it better. And they hire a permanent lighthouse keeper. They hire this man named Hosea Lewis and Hosea was married He was like a big deal in the Coast Guard. He got this job and moved his second wife. His first wife died. Moved his second wife and their children out to this very quaint, small house on an island off the shore of Rhode Island, which is Mm -hmm. not an island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're, they're living on an island off the shore of Rhode Island, but Rhode Island is not an island. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm <following her. laughs> yep. Yep. Within four months, Hosea died. Oh no. So that, that left his wife and their children to run the lighthouse. Did he and, die on the island? Yes. Mm-hmm. He did. Now this is. <laughs> 
turn it into <laughs> a story. Um, yep. They had a number of children. One of their children was a, a little girl who was very sickly and disabled. And so okay. his wife had to spend a tremendous amount of her time caring for their disabled daughter. And that left a lot of the lighthouse keeping duties to their other daughter, whose name was Ida, Ida Lewis. Mm -hmm. And she had an older brother that had died. So the older brother was not able to help. So a lot of the lighthouse keeping duties went to Ida when she was around 12. So that involved like polishing the glass, trimming the wick, lighting the light, making sure that everything was in working order. It's because lighthouses are depended upon. It's not just for fun. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like they actually you relied on lighthouses. It wasn't optional to keep it going. So her mother and her together sort of uh, took over lighthouse keeping duties. But as time went by and her sister needed more and more care, the duties fell more and more to Ida. So Ida became very well known in her community for being perhaps the best swimmer in the area. She could swim the 300 yards from shore to the lighthouse, which is in the Atlantic Ocean. We're not talking about 300 yards like in the Caribbean floating in the sunshine. This is right? like a cold, scary ocean, right? Like Yes, yes. Scary a cold, ocean. That's right. Cold, scary ocean with big waves that people die in all the time. And she comes <laughs> from a family of death, like as it is, but... Wow. <laughs> so she became known as like, dang, that girl can swim. And she also was put in charge of rowing her younger siblings across the water to, to land so they could go to school every day. So she became truly an expert rowboater. What are we calling this? Rowboat captain? Rowboat user? I'm just imagining how ripped she must be. Right. Like yeah. this is not a rowing machine. This is actual massive wooden oars. There are pictures of her doing this actual massive wooden oars against a current against the ocean. At you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so even younger than that. So they're just the idea, like when you're working out, right? Can like I you tell the audience you're rowing right now as you tell the story? <laughs> That's right. I'm <laughs> rowing. That's right. But, but when you're working out, like in a gym, using a rowing machine, you can be like, oh, well, that's too hard. You know, dial down the resistance. Mm -hmm. Right. But you don't have that option in the no. ocean you with your actual wooden, yeah. wooden oars. You die. That's correct. You will die if you don't get buff enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yes, this is like real life CrossFit. Do you do CrossFit? Oh God, no. no. <laughs> I know there's like probably going to be CrossFit fans who think like, going to get defensive by my response, but no, it looks way too hard for me. Like lifting tires, all that. And that's yeah. yeah. Like the rope, the rope situation and like climb the walls. Yeah. yeah. That is, I mean, some people had to do that for real because they had to mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not because they're paying a gym membership to be able to do yeah. those things. <laughs> 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. We've all had those embarrassing moments where maybe you've taken your shoes off and you realize like, oh no, oh no, that is not a good smell. Fortunately, Lumi whole body deodorant is making it so none of us ever have to worry about that again. Unlike certain other products, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. It delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control everywhere one might like to use it. In fact, it was patients' concerns about odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. Fast forward six years and her game-changing whole body deodorant now has over 300,000 five-star reviews. And it works without using heavy perfumes that mask odor, which I really appreciate. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, which is my favorite, and two free products of your choice, like deodorant wipes or a mini body wash. It also has free shipping. And as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's like 40% off their starter pack. So use code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Mother's Day is almost here. And I want to take just a quick second to appreciate not only my mom, all the moms out there, but anyone who has taken on the role of caregiver. You do everything for someone else. And now it's time to do something for yourself. And that includes starting with your skin. And I've been using our sponsor OneSkins products for a while now. And I have to tell you, I am really enjoying them. They are very easy to incorporate into my skincare routine. I am really liking the eye cream. And the secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It is the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And they have several studies to back it up. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SHARON. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. So when Ida was around 12, she started, she re started rescuing people who were in distress in the water because she was such a good swimmer and she was so good at using the rowboat. She would notice somebody having difficulty in the water and she would jump in her boat or she would swim out to save them. So she started developing a reputation for 
saving people. So for example, when she was about 16, there were some boys that were sailing a small boat, like they were teenage boys sailing a small boat back and forth between land and, and the Lime Rock lighthouse. And she was watching them from one of the windows. And one of the boys climbed the mast of the sailboat and yeah. began to like rock the boat back and forth like this to be funny or to scare okay. his friends. Yeah. And eventually the boat did capsize <laughs> and Ida was watching it happen. She like raced down to her rowboat, rowed out to them really quickly and got all four of those boys aboard her boat and then rowed them back to shore, saved all of their lives. Did most, she marry them? <laughs> no, but mo in a movie she would. Yeah. Right. Exactly. In a movie, she definitely would fall in love with one of those boys who would come back to the lighthouse to be like, you saved me. One of the groups that she rescued, first of all, there was like a fort, Fort Adams on the shore. And so there were a lot of military people in the region. And Turns out many of the people that needed to be rescued were members of the military who were perhaps too intoxicated and had too much bravado and were like, I can make it. Watch me row out to that lighthouse. Watch me swim out there. And then they wouldn't be able to because of the currents and the waves and the temperature of the water. And they would get saved by Ida. So, so Ida's just always watching the water for people. For drug I guess soldiers. there's not much to do on that island. So yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it's true enough. In 1866, uh, there were three soldiers who had been out drinking at the bars and they saw like an old skiff, which is a kind of a flat bottomed boat that is kind of wide and shallow and is really not designed to go in deep water or rough water. It's just designed to like move from one point to another near the shore they see this old skiff and they decide we can do it. Let's get in this boat. It'll be totally fine. And she sees them out there. She rows her rowboat, which is an appropriate boat for the conditions. And two of the men were saved. One of them ended up drowning, but she literally had to pick one of them up by the hair and drag them into her boat. This is a very petite woman, by the way. She was about five, I was just going to ask you her size. She was five, four and around 110 pounds. Very petite woman. This speaks to her buffness that she can drag a drunk waterlogged soldier from the water into her boat. That is crazy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? She severely injured herself saving those two soldiers. And it took her, she was in bed for months after that. She obviously did something to mess up a joint or something while she was trying to drag these all half dead soldiers mm -hmm. into her boat. One of her most famous rescues were two members of the military. They hired this 14 year old boy who's claimed to be a very uh, experienced sailor hired him to help them cross Newport Harbor on this little boat. And then they didn't think to themselves, you know what? The weather is real sketch. We're going to have to try again tomorrow. The weather was really bad. It was a snowstorm. And during, I mean, it seems like common sense to be like, mm, it's real snowstormy and really big waters, really big waves. Maybe let's not do that. But they didn't. So these two people in the military and this 14 year old boy set off across the water and she sees them out there and is like, 
Turn back. Yes. First of all, she was sick. She was sick in Give bed Ida with a, a with off. a cough. That's right. Yes. Give Ida a freaking break for the love of God. <laughs> she was in, sick. Yeah, she was in bed sick. And she sees what's happening, sees that it's a snowstorm, and does not even take the time to put on a coat or shoes. She runs down to her boat, jumps into her boat, like in her night clothes, like she's sick in bed, you know, like she's mm -hmm. wearing a woman's 1869 nightgown. I know exactly what that is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and rows across this snow storming water with these massive waves gets out there, puts the people in her boat, rows them to shore. And this was, this became a very famous incident at the time. People were like, so you're saying that the three men couldn't get themselves across the water, but Ida, who was sick, could get them across the water. You know, like that makes no sense. Like make it make sense. No, nothing so, about it does. No, no. So they were so grateful that she saved their lives, that they went around Fort Adams and collected $218 and a gold watch. And on a clear day, they rode out there and gave her $218 and a gold watch, which was a, a lot of money for 1869, mm -hmm. um, to say thank you for saving our lives. And a magazine came to interview Ida because her reputation began to grow of like, who is this woman? By this time, she's a young woman. She has really taken over the duties of running the lighthouse from her mother. And people are like, who is this person who's just saving all of these humans from the water, just rescuing all these humans from the water? And they said, were you scared? Like when you're out there in this snowstorm? And this was her response. I don't know if I was ever afraid. I just went and that was all there was to it. That night when the soldiers tipped over their boat, I was just sitting there with my feet in the oven. I had a bad cold, but when I heard those men calling, I started right out just as I was with a towel over my shoulders. And she said, my father showed me how to get people into the boat without it tipping over. I just went. I don't know went. that I was afraid. <laughs> like that has to be some adrenaline. Like that adrenaline just gets going and you don't even think about it. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's, that that's going to be my new like inspo quote. I just went like, I just I'm scared went. to check emails. Like you can do it. <laughs> I just went. I don't know that I was afraid. I just went. That's all there was to it. That's what she said. That's all there was to it. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So, by the time she was 27... She had achieved like East Coast celebrity status. She was in New York newspapers. She was in Harper's Weekly, which was a very big newspaper at the time, like on the cover of Harper's Mm -hmm. Weekly, wearing a scarf tied around her shoulders. And people who were subscribers to the magazine, which was a lot, saw this scarf and begin to copy it. And suddenly like the Ida Lewis scarf became like the accessory of the season. Like she (laughs) was on the cover and everybody else wanted an Ida Lewis scarf to wear as well. They named pieces of music after her. There was an Ida Lewis waltz and there was a polka named after her as well. People started putting her on newspapers and in magazines with the phrase, the bravest woman in America. So her parents or her mother, I should say, began to keep track of the number of people who began sailing and rowing to the Lime Rock Lighthouse for the express purpose of seeing her because of her fame. One summer, there were between 9,000 and 10,000 people who just landed at the lighthouse with like no appointment, no permission between nine and 10,000 people who were just hoping to like catch a glimpse of her or meet her. And what her mother said, people would land at the rock, prowl around the house, quiz the family, pry into the household affairs, patronizingly ask the age of each person and how much money they made and how they felt when Ida was out there saving people. Like they were very much invading the privacy of the Lewis family. They're government employees. It's a government owned lighthouse and they have no Mm -hmm. privacy when people just show up on the Cause there's nothing else there. Right. It's just like their house. Literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> yes. 100%. Do you pretend to not be home when the doorbell rings all the time? Yes. I don't, I'm I not don't ever answer the door. No, no. Uh-uh. unless I know that it's like, Oh, my husband locked himself out or what, you know, like then he's, then you better call me to be like, Hey, I'm outside. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not yeah. going to the door. <laughs> no, yeah, I never answer it. <laughs> same I don't answer the door I pretend to not be home this is yeah. my worst nightmare no mm-hmm. people just showing up at my house and I have to accept it nope <laughs> well and I wonder did more of these people start like falling out of their boats did it like make more work for Ida Pro- probably <laughs> probably although most of it was like, during the summer so okay. perhaps less stormy but seas. you know a lot of these people are idiots so of course of still course gonna fall out Yes. So she started getting deluged with fan mail, deluged with gifts, deluged with marriage proposals. And in 1869, 
President Ulysses S. Grant was like, I got to meet this girl. So he had somebody row him out to the lighthouse, showed up at their door and gets out of the boat. And he like stumbled a little bit and stepped in a few inches of water. And his famous quote from when he landed at the Lime Rock Lighthouse was, I have come to see Ida Lewis and to see her, I'd get wet up to my armpits if necessary. <laughs> <laughs> like in that, I, I, this is one of the things that I do regularly that amuses me, which is trying to imagine something from the past happening today. I was just thinking that in today's context, like, yes. Okay. Can you imagine? Yeah. Imagine any recent president. doesn't matter who pick one, pick one from the last 50 years, even. And imagine them rowing a boat to a lighthouse and being like, I'd get wet up to my armpits if necessary. It it wouldn't (laughs) go well. It would not go well. It truly boggles the mind to think of Richard Nixon doing that or Bill Clinton, literally any recent president, the idea that you just like row out to a lighthouse and be like, oh shoot, I stumbled, but that's okay. I would get wet up to my armpits if it means I can meet you. Yeah. If that were on social media, it just would not be good. No, no. The vice president, Skylar Colfax also separately met her. She was also well-known in women's suffrage circles. People like Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony held her up as this sort of testament to the strength and determination of women. Like women Mm -hmm. can do anything. And so women should be allowed to vote. Like if they can save all of your drunk soldiers from the water, they should be allowed to vote. Yeah. <laughs> so she did eventually accept one of the marriage proposals that was given to her after she had corresponded with this gentleman, William Wilson, for four years. She finally agreed to get married and they got married. They moved off of the island huh? and to Connecticut. And (laughs) everyone who ends up in Connecticut. No, but wait, have Uh, they met like while they were writing letters? Yes. Yes. They had met each other. Yes. Yes. She moves to Connecticut and within a couple of years realizes like, I am too unhappy living here. I need to get back to that Island, but she didn't believe in divorce. Divorce was against her religion. So they just permanently separated and she moved back to Lime Rock Island. She moved, went back to caring for the lighthouse. And at that point, this was in the late 1870s. At that point, she had been doing that job for so long but had never been officially appointed lighthouse keeper. She was like the unofficial lighthouse keeper out there just saving dozens of people. So eventually one of her admirers, who was a civil war hero, later became like governor of Rhode Island, later became a U.S. Senator. His name was General Burnside, advocated for her to become the official lighthouse keeper, which a woman had never done before to be the official lighthouse keeper. And she was also granted an extremely high salary for lighthouse keepers at the time. She was given a salary of $750 a year, which was the highest 
salary of any lighthouse keeper in the nation because she had saved all of these lives. People in Congress loved her. She earned it, basically. You know how old she was when she finally got this title? She got the official title in 1879. So it made her 37. Still pretty dang young. Yes. So yes, she officially became the lighthouse keeper when she was 37 and started getting her $750 a year, uh, massive salary, apparently, according to what everybody else was making at the time. And from the United States government, she was awarded the gold life-saving medal. The first woman to ever get the gold life-saving medal. And apparently it's very rare that the government gives that out. And that was for rescuing those soldiers that I mentioned before. The drunken soldiers. The drunken soldiers. She got the gold life-saving medal. Um, There was another thing that also contributed to that, which was a couple of other soldiers from Fort Adams. This was sort of compounded in with, with her previous rescue of Fort Adams soldiers. There were a couple of soldiers from Fort Adams who were trying to walk across the ice along the shoreline back to the fort and they fell through the ice and she went out there and rescued them as well (laughs) like it just it it cracks me up that there's this like 37 year old woman on a little island um just like out there rescuing people seemingly day in and day out all the time all the time like that also shows how dangerous the waters were that people Mm -hmm. needed rescuing that much (laughs) but like stay out of the water (laughs) (laughs) that seems like a logical explanation to me like don't try to walk on thin ice don't try to sail in a snowstorm that seems logical to me like you could (laughs) have saved a lot of trouble for ida here (laughs) absolutely This is one of her, this is a little bit of her writing when she was writing a letter about her time on this island. She said, sometimes the spray dashes against these windows so thick, I can't see out. And for days at a time, the waves are so high that no boat would dare come near the rock, not even if we were starving. But I am happy. There is a piece on this rock that you don't get on shore. There are hundreds of boats going in and out of this harbor in summer. And it's part of my happiness to know that they are depending on me to guide them safely. Her last rescue was in 1905 when she was 63 years old. She'd been out there doing this job since she was a teenager and now she's 63 and a friend was rowing out to visit her, saw her, stood up to wave like, Hey, Ida, and fell overboard. <laughs> and Ida such a good movie. Like all these scenes, I can just see them yep. in the end. She realizes like her soulmate was the lighthouse. Like that's, that's right. She realized it before the end, but that's so true. So Ida had to go get her boat and rescue her friend. <laughs> and But even at age 63, she was still capable of rescuing people. This is one of the things that is very interesting is I don't, 
I don't pretend to actually know all of the specifics of how to rescue a person in the water while you're in a boat, Mm -hmm. but this is not like a large coast guard vessel where we just send a ladder down, right? This is a small wooden boat. And Mm -hmm. so there's a good chance that they could also swamp your boat. If they pull too Mm -hmm. hard on the side, just tip you over. And it's also not like the person in the water has any leverage. They're really low. They're being hit in the face with water. They're cold. They probably don't have the upper body strength to easily get themselves into the boat. Ida had to provide a Mm -hmm. lot of the strength to get somebody into the boat. So she died of a stroke when she was 69 years old. In 1911, she was still living at the lighthouse. She died of a stroke. Was she alone there? Mm-hmm. I didn't know if her siblings were still there or anyone. Nope. She was, she was alone there. Although somebody had come to check on her because the light had not been lit. And they were like, what is going on out here? And they discovered her. And after it was discovered that she had died, All of the bells on all of the vessels in Newport Harbor rang in her honor that night. And all of the flags were flown at half mast. That was the reputation that she had developed over all of her years of service at this lighthouse. And one of the men who was a pallbearer at her funeral was one of the boys that she rescued when she was 16 years old. His name was Samuel Powell. He obviously never forgot her. That's incredible. And I also have to imagine like everybody in that funeral home was like, I'm also a descendant of someone who almost drowned. Me too. Me too. And like the whole, everyone there, there because of her. Yes. Like the impact on future generations because that person didn't die. Good point. Exactly. Yes. Really good point. So she is credited with saving around 35 people from drowning and probably many hundreds more than that. Those are like the 35 people on official, mm-hmm. official record. And obviously thousands more than that from her tending to this lighthouse, tirelessly tending to this lighthouse, keeping the boats from hitting the shore, etc. And In 1924, they changed the name of the Lime Rock Lighthouse to the Ida Lewis Lighthouse. And it is the only lighthouse in the United States to be named after its keeper, which I think is really amazing. I love that. In 1995, the Coast Guard named a ship after her, a buoy tending ship. They named it the Ida Lewis. And in 2018, Ida Lewis became the first woman to have a road named after her at Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, wow. It's called Lewis Drive. So her legacy lives on even today amongst the soldiers who are buried at Arlington Cemetery. There is a Lewis Drive there named after Ida Lewis. And I also loved this quote from her when people asked her, like, what do you say to people who are like, it is unladylike for women to row boats the way that you do. She was like, none but a donkey would consider it unfeminine to save lives. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And of course she probably didn't actually mean donkey. 
right? Like she probably meant a less flattering name, but none but a donkey would consider it unfeminine to save lives. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. And just to even be asked that question. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Gosh. Isn't it unfeminine of you to row boats and save lives? What couldn't you be doing something more worthwhile? Can you time? just let them die? <laughs> <laughs> couldn't you be doing some cross stitching? You know what I mean? Like, what are you yeah. supposed to say? She's like, uh, nobody but a donkey would consider it unfeminine to save lives. And then Where was just, that published? Like, what was it a big magazine that was in, or just something you found? It was in the in Harper's oh, Weekly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was in that magazine on and off regularly because she was somebody that the female readers of Harper's enjoyed mm-hmm. hearing about. Like, what is Ida Lewis up to these days? Mm-hmm. Oh, President Grant went out to see her. That is fantastic. You know, like you can just picture mm-hmm. all the ladies getting their monthly magazines and just like wanting to keep up on all the news about Ida. Yeah. So cute. The first influencer. <laughs> the first influencer with her scarf. That's right. That's what, I'm going to Google that photo too. I want to see that. Ida Lewis scarf. Yes. Oh, this was really fun. Tell everybody um, where they can find you, where they can follow your hilarity. You can find me on Instagram at the daily Tay. And as soon as I say that, I cringe a little. I came up with the name like 12, 13 years ago when I created my blog and I was like, I'll change it tomorrow. And here we are. And like, one of the things I do is I kind of poke fun at stupid influencer names. You know them like high heels and lip liner turquoise heels. and then yeah, I always forget yeah. I have such a dumb name myself anyway that's my that's my handle where can they find your blog well the daily tay.com <laughs> until I change it that's what it is <laughs> I have to admit that when I first started following you and I saw it was called the daily tay my first impression was like you were famous That was my first impression is like, wow, somebody would want to know about her daily. And the truth is I'm actually just a narcissist and like to talk about myself (laughs) daily. (laughs) No, no. But that was my like first impression was like, oh, people would want to know about her daily. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know how people like to keep up with the Kardashians? Oh, Yeah. They would want yeah. to know about Taylor on the daily. Yeah. Where am I going to go with that from now on? <laughs> <laughs> so do with that what you will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will keep watching all of your hilarious stories and all of the fun that you poke at influencer culture, which is way too funny and way too right on. So <laughs> keep it up. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me and sharing this story. And I hope it's a movie someday that maybe you write. (laughs) Maybe you write. Maybe I can be an extra in it who falls off the boat. (laughs) You deserve better than that. Come on now. Yeah, that's about all I want. And then I'll go to like one of those Rhode Island bars and enjoy myself. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. 
would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson, edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.